video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you Hello, want to watch it. Hello, my name's Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hanson. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. Notable indeed. We got kind of a, a short... Short and sweet list this week. Yeah, let's say short. <laughs> I think it's just because we haven't, you know, we've been fr- uh, recording so infrequently lately that it's been like weeks of piled on titles. This is just like one week of titles here. How about that? Yeah, and we start with the best. Uh, well, I don't know about yeah, that. The, the best, the cream of the crop here. Jerry Lewis at Columbia. So, bad man Jerry Lewis getting kind of a special edition blu-ray from imprint films the australian distributor hey did you see that like australia as a distributor are coming into you know their prominence there's another company that just started where they're releasing asian films like johnny toe films and japanese films i heard about this i've seen some posts going around this i don't know chameleon i believe is the name of their company yeah so i don't know yet if we'll be able to get these in at the store but Considering we've been able to, we've been pretty lucky getting all these uh, like special edition Australian releases. I feel like we might be able to get these as long as they're like all region playable. Uh, but yeah, Australian stuff really stepping up uh, their game right now and kind of filling the void with some of these with North American. They're releases. like, we have specific contracts that lets us get around North American distribution deals. Ha, suckers. <laughs> I know exactly, right? And since we have a supplier who gets us these at, like, pretty good prices now compared to what we used to have to import them in as, uh, they're pretty reasonable. Even, you know, this set, which is a little bit expensive. Yeah, but... it's about 70 bucks for two movies, but it's not $72 for one like it used to be from Imprint. Yeah, it's only two movies. Uh, it comes in a nice box. These are not uh, the best Jerry Lewis films. One of them he did direct, The Big Mouth, and it was when he went to work for another company. I thought it was fun. It's a spy spoof. The other one is t- terrible him being directed by like a 70 like something year old man who would die like a week after the film was done that jerry just hired because he could boss him around yikes well yeah jerry lewis stuff has been pretty hard to come by on blu-ray in north america yeah, all the films least, right pretty much Olive did a yep. few uh i believe the nutty professor paramount put out a special edition paramount has like a special edition of that but past that yeah, it's pretty pretty barren out there for Blu-ray releases of Jerry Lewis, which makes this one kind of a good set to get for Lewis heads out there. And it comes in a nice box, I gotta say. Yeah, real nice box. Don't um, call yourself a Lewis head, please. Not no, okay. those, you know, all those allegations. No, no. I mean, I'm gonna make an, uh, a confession here. I don't think I've seen a single Jerry Lewis movie. I will Not say... Not a single one. Not even The Nutty Professor. That I think that you would enjoy his classic films like The Ladies Man. Yeah, like, yeah. Where should I start? The Ladies Man? Is that, the Ladies that's a Man, good one? absolutely. Okay. That's the first one that you should watch. Because it's not that I haven't been necessarily interested. He always look kind of kind of funny to me in like a dumb kind of way i remember seeing images and clips when i was a kid being like ah who's this guy right and just never actually seeing one of his movies so okay maybe i will start with the ladies man would not start with this box set is what i'll say why is there any appeal like why these two movies is it just a rights issue that they maybe have? i think it's a rights issue it's whatever they okay, could get okay and that's why they're putting this out it doesn't even have all of his films at Columbia. There's one that he directed before this that's more famous that they just didn't yeah, include. Yeah, well, it's kind of misleading, right? When you see the title Jerry Lewis at Columbia, it's like, ooh, this is going to be like chock full of titles, right? And then it's just like two. Like, okay. 
Okay, okay. I wonder if they had a bigger plan and it fell through. Maybe. So next up, we have the UK distributor, Indicator, with two Mexican films, classic ones from the 30s, The Phantom of the Monastery and La La Yeah, Rona. these are two of Indicator's new titles uh, that are their North American distribution line. Oh, um, is it? Yeah, so... What? And they were still that pricey? What the hell, hey, Indicator? I mean, they were far less pricey than their stuff used to be, the UK import. But yeah, at the end of last year, Indicator made an announcement uh, like Arrow did, you know, several years ago that they were moving into the North American market. And so, yeah, since January, all of our indicator releases are actually North American releases, Region A and everything. But because of that, it seems like going forward, any of their UK release stuff, which we used to be able to import, is going to be UK only and we cannot get because it's actually region locked now that they've now that they're operating in both markets. They've got more strict region lock things, so we won't be getting any of their UK titles going forward. But they've got a lot of, you know, North American specific ones, which are kind of more obscure titles. But in the case of these two, kind of interesting. The covers of these are so lazy. It looks like they were pulled out of a box set. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't know anything about these two films, really. Uh, they're just classic Mexican films. I think La Lorna was, believe, lost for a long time. And then it popped up on YouTube uh, in like a TV rip. And this is a scan of a 16 millimeter print that was remastered by uh, the... What is it? It's like the Film Preservation Archive, the Film Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're That's right. cool. I watched them. They're pretty much what you would expect from a film from this period. Like, they didn't wow me. And The Phantom of the, the Monastery is the one that I watched that is considered like the more, you know, fun one, the one that has more to offer. While La La Lorna is more of a historically significant film. I think it's considered Mexico's first horror film, La La Lorna. Yeah, I did remember reading that. <laughs> if it's its first, uh, it's probably got some issues. So, <laughs> Well, how are these releases, though, special features-wise? There's commentary by Kim Newman and Stephen Jones, which I didn't uh, check out. And there is a 18-minute interview with the head programmer of the Morbido Film Fest, which uh, I think one of our shorts played once in Mexico. That I made, me and Emily. And that's it. That's all you get. Really? But in that classic indicator slash arrow style, they pack it, making it look like... Tons of stuff on here, yeah. No, there's not. It says, limited edition, world premiere on Blu-ray. That is akin to putting this on the back of the box as motion menus to like make it look like <laughs> no, there's more. Right? Uh, but compared to, say, like, you know, because we've talked about VCI releasing a bunch of these earlier kind of Mexican horror films... This is going to look... Much better than VCI. Much, much better. Because VCI, I don't know what's going on in their restoration. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they did put out a double disc set. I don't know if it was on the list. I don't remember seeing it. Uh, it was like the Living Coffin and something else. Yeah, they so VCI, yeah, they put that out this week. Uh, I think it's on this list somewhere, but um, I hadn't seen them. And I guess you hadn't seen those two. But yeah, it was um, the Living Dead and the Body Snatcher. That's right. And I didn't do my research on that one because VCI has been burning us so bad with those terrible Santo releases. But I believe the uh, two disc set they put out, you know, don't hold my word to it, but it did have English subtitles, which leads me to believe it was part of the uh, deal they made with the company that was remastering the Mexican Yeah, when films. we got it in, I specifically looked at the back cover because I know your complaints from that in the past, and it does, it is in Spanish with English subtitles, so it seems like a better release. So that may be another one to pick up, because Living Coffin is a very famous Mexican horror yeah, film. Yeah, we've been selling quite a few of those, and it's much cheaper than these two indicator releases, because, you know, it's VCI, but... Uh, 
but yeah, another worthy release. A lot of Mexican horror at this. I mean, week. I think it's important. Yeah, Mexican horror getting uh, attention. I wish the Santo releases were much better than they are, and that kind of burns them from doing, uh, you know, uh, other companies doing releases like that. I mean, Kino was supposed to put those Santo movies out, and they pull back at the last second. Yeah, I mean, we've still been selling a ton of those Santo box sets since we got it in, so I guess people uh, don't... MST3K is, like, parodying those movies with the new English dubs. Are they really? Ugh. Yeah, awful. Ugh. Terrible. Ugh. Moving on to companies that have moved into the North American market, we have 88 Films with Monkey Kung Fu and Shaolin Mantis, two classic Shaw Brothers films. Listen, have you been buying the other Shaw Brothers discs? Well, it's your contractual obligation to have to buy the these as well yeah it's funny i think with these it's pretty much exactly with every release they've done so far we've sold pretty much exactly the same amount of copies so it's like every What's customer that, like someone new is gonna come out on board to buy exactly these, right? right it's like the same customers coming out to buy them and that's great yeah because they sell really well but yeah it's that kind of thing it's like once you start going down this road, you just got to buy Well, there are two films directed by Lockhart Lung as well. The uh, Probably the best action choreographer of all time. Monkey Kung Fu is a classic. Shallow Mantis, less so, but really fun and kind of subversive in the way that it tackles its revenge storyline. So, would recommend. And it's got, you know, the basics. 88 film, special features. There's a Frank Jang commentary, a Mike Leader commentary with his pal too. And I think there's some interviews that have been ported over from previous releases and some interviews with the... Everything you would want for this kind of stuff. Now, why are they not in a box set? Because they want to get as much money out of us as possible. That's why. I know. That's a thing, right? Especially after, you know, Arrow did their Shawscope set. And it's, it's wild like, that Arrow's like... could just put these all in one set together, right? But, but we're not know. going to because we can charge you more for exactly. it. Exactly. And people will spend that money. No question at all. I wonder if Arrow's like, maybe we shouldn't do a box set. Will they package together uh, single releases they've put out? into a box set uh, it'll be interesting because they still release they're still doing single releases of martial arts movies right like they did come drink with me they've got eight diagram pole fighter coming out so it's not like they just did the shoscope thing it's like all right that's kind of it for the martial no, arts No, they thing. said they're gonna do a second volume too and they're doing a second volume as well so i don't know i don't know who makes these decisions i mean regardless you know both that box set and all these individual releases they all sell well so you know martial arts fans are getting like spoiled these days with all these releases and next up we have the other french new wave volume one from canadian international pictures the other french new wave what does that mean let me look at the special features to find out what there isn't any <laughs> well, this is the second release from, yeah, Canadian International Pictures, which is another Vinegar Syndrome partner label. We talked about their first release, The Ernie Game, a couple weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, this is a really interesting set. I assume you've pro you probably I've have seen this, all these right? films. You've yes. seen all these yeah, films? Yeah. So I didn't really know much about any of these films because my knowledge of early Quebec cinema is pretty bad, to be honest. Um, but this is... Seems like a pretty good intro to 60s French or Quebec, uh, Quebecois cinema. It has the first feature length narrative film that was technically like the big breakout in France, inspired from Jean Godard. Uh, one of the filmmakers, the, the cat in the bag, he lied that he was making a documentary just like nobody waved goodbye. And he actually went and made a kind of improvised, you know, narrative film. And that's why they call it the other French New Wave. You know what? I made a joke at the beginning of this, but I think that it's... Uh, probably discussed. There's a booklet that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, you get some short films too on here. I'm going to yeah. say again, I'll be generous <laughs> and say that maybe 
the NFB, which all these transfers are from. These are not new transfers. If you're Canadian, they're all online. If you go to NFB.org. But I will say, because I went to watch these films, and I did watch The Cat in the Bag, which uh, which was fun. Yeah, very, like, and super obviously influenced by Godard. They make several Godard references in it. And, yeah, just sort of like a really kind of like fun fresh blast of a quebecois film but like the other two on the nfb site only exist in english dub versions mark i think you can go in the french nfb which is the onf and it'll oh, be in french. Is that what it okay cool because i went to watch yule yul 871 uh also known as montreal flight 871 because i thought that sounded really interesting and uh on the nfb site it only exists in an english dub version so i guess yeah, yeah that's you're... because the nfb is the onf in French, and that's why you have to go there, and you you would be able to find. Well, it. there you go. So they are all online, but yeah, they are all online. If you want to check these out, the Merry World of Leopold Z is one that is interesting. I don't know if it's great, but it's also the start of a filmmaker called Gilles Cal, which I hope that like a label like this could release more of his films because they're very weird. He's essentially kind of like a Terry Gilliamish figure in French Canadian cinema. He's directed like thirty films. He's done like big musicals, and all his films are very transgressive and kind of like a little bit difficult, but also weird and have a almost Chuck Jones energy at times. So I hope they'll release more of them. But like U871 is one that is always, always kind of like dragged but I, out. I like the premise. I watched a bit of it, um, but then I don't know. The English dub was just not working for me. So so I turned it off. But um, but yeah, I liked the the vibe of it. it Do your really Canadian cool. duty and buy this box set and then probably put it on a shelf and not watch any of the movies. I feel but like. this is like... Again, if you are interested in Canadian cinema history at all, this is like a must-have release. Leopold Z, I was going to save for Christmas, actually, because it's a Christmas movie, right? Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It is. It's actually really fun. It's about a snow plowman who has to go out on Christmas Eve, I believe, and do a bunch of stuff at night and during the day. And I think that one was mostly improv as well, because at the time, they were not giving funds to do narrative fiction films. I didn't even know that Bay Street had gotten all these Blu-rays, but you get all the Vinegar Syndrome ones right away, and because they're, they're not on the list. Oh, yeah, we're, we get them right away. So yeah, they uh, weren't on the list, were they? I mean, the one on the website, because I think I would have spotted them if they were. As soon as they become available on the site, we can order them and it kind of is pretty quick since so when we order them they come pretty soon because there is a vinegar syndrome office in toronto and so they come within a couple days and basically i just sort of input them all because they're such last minute orders i can't like i don't pre-order them like a bunch of other titles it's just like when they're available i can get them so i don't really they don't go into the system in advance as like a coming soon it's just like when they arrive i input them and they go right up so because you guys also got the release of talons of the eagle the jahal mary film we did yeah the new vs uh vsa that um, i was wondering because i shot an interview for that and it looks like it was just included into a doc uh, okay thing. okay so they probably put all the interviews in together one feature length stock yeah they are just going through the entire jalal mary catalog yep, with these vsas eh? like yeah they are not stopping which is fine by me that's for so, sure so would you have an audience that buys all the jalal mary films like listen i got you know in. these ones mm, these ones don't sell i would say as uh, as much as some of the other releases from them but you know there's definitely a fan base you know i'm waiting for back in action When's that's that not a jahal mary film so i ain't coming out from vinegar syndrome yeah nah. so we have rock hudson's home movies uh the kino released by did kino? you watch this in film school i certainly watched this in film school yeah no i did not 
Because this is a Mark Rappaport yeah. classic. No, I really like this film. Um, <laughs> Every time I see the director Mark Rappaport, I'm like, the guy in the Spike Lee movie? Michael Rappaport? Yeah, so Mark Rappaport, obviously. Is this maybe his most famous yeah, film? Yeah, this I guess one did... and uh, Gene Seberg are probably his most yeah, famous Yeah, which I know ones. Kino is also re-releasing in a few weeks. But yeah, he's. this is kind of a very famous essay, kind of like satirical essay sort of film, which takes Rock Hudson clips and everything and basically re fashions this sort of collage movie which basically just goes into his his life as a gay man kind of expressed through film clips. What? He was gay? Yeah, I know, right? And his eventual death from AIDS. So, I mean, it's obviously, nowadays we all it's common knowledge that mm-hmm. Rock Hudson was obviously, gay. he could not obviously. be at the time when he was alive. In 1992 when this movie came out, I think it was more of like a radical proposition. And but I just think this is a really fascinating example of like the collage film, but done in like a kind of sneaky comedic sort of way. I think it's I just thought this is like for like something that kind of looks like just this dry film school exercise that you get shown. It's actually a lot more fun than you would think. So it's it's fun that uh, it's nice that Kino's putting it out again. It is only a DVD release. Mm-hmm. Maybe the masters just don't exist. There's no negative or something. Yeah, I feel like it might be the kind of movie that you don't necessarily need a i don't know they're probably like how many copies are we going to sell of this on blu-ray we're going to sell these mostly to libraries and film institutions exactly right that's the thing we're in the documentary corner though because next up we have on any sunday are you a big uh, dirt bike fan (laughs) not necessarily but i'm a big bruce brown fan that's for sure i don't know who that is ah bruce brown is the legendary filmmaker behind the endless summer do you love surfing too i've never seen endless summer i love surf films so ah you never seen the endless summer didn't we talk about that we have to go um this summer what was it uh uh not it wasn't surfing it was like what this for with send it yeah uh, what was that called uh, again kite boarding boarding? boarding? yeah Yeah, we're gonna start a kite boarding school that's what it is (laughs) so no bruce brown uh if you're not familiar with him was basically the original surf documentarian so he made uh he was a surfer he made surf films in the 60s like small like small kind of short stuff and like sort of clips uh he basically was like the first guy who started the surf film and then the endless summer was sort of like the his big first theatrical release and great film if you haven't seen the endless summer and you like if you like documentary if you want you know a classic sports documentary the endless summer is like the best one you can get the endless summer made him a lot of money he was you know pretty famous could kind of do whatever he wanted after that so he kind of followed it up with on any sunday which is a similar approach to the endless summer but it's about dirt bike well not even dirt bike it's just about motorcycle racer racers in general and it covers the whole gamut of motorcycle racing from just like on regular tracks dirt bike racing off-road racing he even does like a little aside he goes up to canada and films in quebec they have um ice racing which was something i didn't even know about where basically racers they race on a track of ice in the snow and they have spikes on their wheels does he talk about wave racing as we see in the classic uh triple x the return of xander cage (laughs) he does not get into wave racing unfortunately (laughs) but yeah this movie was made in 1971 uh and it was also um partially financed and stars for some of it steve mcqueen but don't make eye contact with him i know (laughs) but you actually see a really lighter side of steve mcqueen he's like really jovial he hangs out with all the racers you watch him race and he's you really see like how much of a pro racer he is but yeah this is just 
again, he does some really interesting he has some really interesting filming techniques. He puts cameras on on the motorcycles at times to like give you a real sense of like you are there on the bike, which, you know, nowadays is kind of whatever. But in 1971 was a pretty revolutionary thing to do. And yeah, I just really, really dig this movie. Again, it's a very similar kind of vibe as The Endless Summer. Bruce Brown narrates it again in his sort of like laid back, jokey kind of gee whiz kind of way, which was kind of like one of the fun parts about The Endless Summer. Uh, it's less racist i guess than the endless summer because the endless summer as much oh, as is the endless summer pretty racist he basically follows a couple of pro surfers as they're uh surfing like around the world to keep chasing the perfect wave and when they're in africa there's a lot of talk about the natives and there's a there's a lot of very 60s kind of you know you know xenophobia towards native people i, I don't think it's intentional i think it's just kind of part it's of the just time the way that people were which well, is well on any sunday because it primarily takes place in north america there's no uh there's none of that so only, <laughs> white, only people, white people yeah but no it's you know in terms of a craft it's great i do want to say though the the kind of disappointment about this so this new release from bayview is a remastered edition but it's only a dvd again like rock hudson's home movies and they've never actually released this film on blu-ray even though Isn't bayview a kind of only dvd company but i think bruce brown's estate because he has passed away bruce brown films kind of like owns and distributes his films through other companies and they did a lot of releases the endless summer they put the endless summer out on blu-ray and yet they haven't done a blu-ray release of on any sunday and but when they were releasing this i thought now was the time because it's like a 50th anniversary sort of restoration bayview is like a re whatever you got we'll put out like i'm looking here and it's like real i mean they put out edison and leo didn't they and they put that out on blu-ray but i think they licensed that out to a different company to put on blu-ray so they put it out on dvd so i don't but i don't know yeah it's they they big this one up as a big like 50th anniversary digital restoration and yet yet it's only a dvd release next up we have from the Hughes brothers, which Mark loved, especially from Hell. Yes, of course. <laughs> American Pimp. So did you give this one a spin? The documentary. This is, so this is from Sandpiper Pictures, who are another new label, you know, people have put up Posse. Uh, update, uh, Posse update. I did buy Posse on Blu-ray and I watched it and it was a delight. It was, right? Transfer's nice yep, too, right? I had- Oh, great transfer. Very, no no regrets after sitting down and watching the Blu-ray, so. Exactly. Even Mark is like, don't do it. It's too expensive, Justin. <laughs> but you know what? Compared to the old DVD release of Posse, which did not look good. Um... I was like, listen, if this is an olive film uh, subsidiary, I don't think another company is going to touch these because they haven't touched the olive film releases. So... It has to be an olive subsidiary. Either that. It looks exactly like it, like you or said. Or they're using the exact same like artwork template that olive <laughs> so, um, but yeah, American Pimp is a documentary from uh, came out in the year two thousand from the Hughes brothers, and uh, yeah, this was a movie. I was always a fan of the Hughes brothers, uh, mostly because Menace to Society is the bomb, great film, and uh, I was always interested in this uh, when I was younger, but for some reason never got around to it. So I gave this a spin this week, and I think I'm coming to the conclusion that while I love Menace to Society a lot. The rest of the Hughes Brothers filmography, always I'm like, I can't wait to see it. It looks so amazing. 
and then it turns out to be and they've been toast for like a decade right i think like one of them's in europe he's teaching well they haven't you know they split up after the book of eli that was the last film they directed together which was a movie i remember going to see in theaters when it came out being really excited and thinking yeah it's it's okay it's it's not bad Oh, that's right one of them made alpha the film that seemingly was never going to come out. Yeah, one of them made Alpha. The other one made Broken City, that movie with Mark Wahlberg and Russell Crowe that came out several years ago. Neither of those films I saw. And they haven't done anything film-wise since Albert then. Hughes has another one out coming out called North Hollywood about the shootout in the San Fernando Valley in 1997. Yeah, but apart from that, they haven't done any theatrical work since those two films, which were... But yeah, during their period, I don't know what, like, I remember Dead Presidents. I was, like, dying to see for a while when I finally saw it. I was like, eh, We talked okay. about this on an episode at one yeah, point. Yeah, same with From Hell. I was like, I couldn't wait to see From Hell when I was a kid. When I finally saw it, I'm like, nah, yeah, it's not great. And the same with American Pimp. I... I think it's a really interesting idea. So if for you, if you don't know, it's basically a documentary where they go around and film actual pimps and basically try and dispel. They talk about pimp culture and how it evolved from like 70s black exploitation portrayals. But they also go back to just go way back to the historical roots and how basically it became demonized once uh, more black men got into it because then white you know, white men didn't want uh, black men making money off this. And that's kind of how it got more criminalized. So there, there are some good historical context there. And they use a lot of black exploitation clips to illustrate how the myth of the pimp has perpetuated throughout time. But, you know, it starts off with like just quick interviews on the street with people, mostly white people who are like, just like pimps oh they're the scum of the earth and like they're low lives and everything and it kind of sets it up as like okay this movie's going to go on to dispel that myth of like no they're not actually all low lives you know they're actually like there is some worth i guess to this profession but then you kind of see all these guys and they are all kind of low lives <laughs> you know they are all despicable people i'm not saying they don't have interesting points and i think what they a lot of what they have to say about sex work being criminalized is valid well sex work being criminalized is bad Pimps are usually not good, though, because they're the abusive, you know, middle manager. Right. And there is some talk about how, like, you know, there are good pimps and there are pimps that like the the ideal form of a pimp should be just somebody to basically act as a buffer between the girls and the clients. Also a manager at a certain point, right? But should be probably a woman because she would understand the uh, rigors of the but job. So while the, a lot of these pimps talk about that and like, oh, yeah, there's bad pimps, but they're just bad people anyway. But like there's also good pimps. They don't do enough to really show that more pimps are good than bad. They still all profess a lot of these values where it seems like even if they don't always come out and say it, they almost seem like they're just above the women that they pimp out, which is is wrong, right? Like is this misogynistic aspect that doesn't necessarily get confronted because they don't interview enough of the women that are involved in this trade either. They do have interviews with two or three women who have had better experiences in this uh, in their sex work careers, but it's not enough. It's just mostly interviews with these pimps 
and it's like you're not getting both sides of it i feel like and a lot of what the pimps espouse is that old school 70s black exploitation method of like yeah i'm just like it's about money and i'm just like making money off these women and these women need us because if they don't have us they're stupid and they'll basically just like blow all the money that they make and it's like it's not not that i'm opposed to hearing them say this because clearly these are real people and these are what they think but I feel like I wish it was more balanced out, I guess. I wish I heard more from the, the women's side of it as well. But, you know, it's like it's definitely one of those documentaries that you can tell was made as like trying to be just an entertaining film. It, it basically is just kind of trying to get off on how like over the top and flamboyant a lot of these pimps are, which is fine. And it definitely has like a lot of funny moments in it. But I don't know. There's just something about it underlying that didn't sit totally right with me so this film is not very well received either like it's such a complex issue that i feel like they don't really do its service and it's so short it's like not even 90 minutes it's like i feel like if you're really gonna tackle this issue you really gotta try and tackle this issue and i don't know if they actually do that so all right so let's move to something a little bit more positive the core (laughs) yeah we're really we're really scraping the bottle did we joke about this you sent i think when shout factory announced they were putting this out as part of their shout select line yeah you sent it to me um and i never actually seen this i hadn't film. seen this either and still haven't seen it so yeah i guess we could have maybe picked this for a blind buy or something but oh uh, instead we suffered we suffered but you know what i, I... did do my due diligence and i watched this i knew this you week would if it was because, on this list because you know what this is a film i loved disaster movies when i was a kid especially like the disaster movies that were coming out when i was a kid so i was shocked that i don't know why i never saw this this film though has such a funny cast of people who were quite not quite stars uh i don't know who chris i don't know who christopher shire is for some reason he's first billed on imdb uh but it's aaron eckhart hillary swank delroy lindo bruce greenwood and 27's build even though he's number one in my heart because he was in all the trailers dj qualls dj qualls uh stanley tucci is also in this uh delroy lindo who i like a lot alfrey woodard is in it as well but you're right dj when dj qualls came on screen i was like because i didn't even remember he was in this he was in every trailer he was the big sales point it's weird that i just i was shocked i never saw this because this was right he like heroically sacrificed himself no you're dj qualls dj qualls doesn't even get involved he's basically the guy in the control room yeah that's what i remember from the trailer the new guy himself yeah basically so yeah i mean if you don't know the core it's basically you know basically the core of the earth stops spinning or whatever and you have to go down into it what was this related to like was it ripping off another disaster movie that was coming out at the time i don't know actually i know all i saw in like the trivia bits was that it's similar to a like dtv movie that came out around the same time called deep core which i remember the cover of but i never saw I don't know if it's a play on anything. I mean, yeah, they basically just have... To, it's kind of like Armageddon, but, you know, going inside the Earth instead of outside. But it's so outside. much later than Armageddon, so it's not like a direct ripoff. Yeah, so it came out in 2003. Maybe that's why I didn't see it, because I think at that time I was, like, getting a little older. I was trying to get more into, you know, like, artier, independent films or whatever. So this came out, and I just never saw it for whatever reason. Um, it also got terrible reviews and was a huge bomb at the box office, I remember. I was looking at, like, what 
made DJ Qualls a so-called well, star. Road Trip was the first thing I saw him Literally, in, he was in two episodes of Mama's Flora's Family, which was a TV miniseries. Then he was in Road Trip, and people were like, is he a star? And then he got the new guy, and they're like, he's not a star. Let's yeah. get him out of here. You know here. what? I never, I still have not seen the new guy it's to bad. this day. Do you like Braveheart parodies? Uh, I don't really care about them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I by mean, 2007, he was in Delta Farce. The Larry the Cable Guy movie. Well, he was in the Italian Job remake, too, wasn't he? I feel like I remember uh, seeing him in that. Or no, no, sorry. I think that was Seth Green. I think. Oh, well, one of them had a much more successful career. Well, he was also in Hustle and Flow, though. That's the other big thing I remember DJ There Qualls seemed from. to be almost a like, oh, is he going to have a uh, second win? Because I remember seeing him in, oh, he was only in a single episode of uh, Breaking Bad. As like an undercover oh, agent. Yeah, right, right. I didn't like. Does he even still pop up nowadays? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, he was really good on an episode of Creep Show that was like a one man job where he gets like a finger that mutates into a monster, and it's just him. You know, I I always liked DJ Qualls. I feel like he got his sort of like dorky. Persona. Has he gone right wing? Because he seems like someone. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, he stars Mark in a new home invasion film called Turning Point. And and he's first build, so it's all about him. Oh, so that means that's a must watch. A home for invasion me. goes haywire when the owner returns, showing signs of an unprecedented illness. As he gradually morphs into something monstrous, the intruders desperately plot their escape. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm down for that. Is he the guy turning into a monster, or is he the? I, I mean, he see would seem like the sniveling. Um, oh no, I'm looking at who directed it. It's the guy who did the Badger game. Remember you saw that oh, one? Oh, God, the Badger game. <laughs> did I see? I don't think I saw that movie. Oh, I saw trailers for it. And it was like, oh, yeah, no. I remember when it was coming out. It just looked it's dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly just TV for him. Yeah, now, Supernatural. Guess, right? He was in six episodes. Yeah. Oh, the man in the high castle, people. Oh, yeah. Oh, that means he was probably oh, he was in 30 episodes of that. Uh, so, so he still works. I guess I just haven't seen him in a movie since. Oh, he was in two episodes of Fargo. Oh, in, yes. Uh, I did see him in that. Okay. As no, Golem. I know. I, I remember him in that. <laughs> I don't remember him. He must have been. I saw the first two seasons of Fargo. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember much about his. I remember him in oh, that. Oh, that's right. Though. He was like yeah. one of the criminals. Yeah, I exactly. Think. Exactly. I always had a soft spot for him. But back to the core, you know, I did give this a go this week. It's mostly derivative of like a lot of like Armageddon, a lot of those kind of movies that came out around this time. You know, I had a little more fun with it than I thought because it is directed by like John Emil, who's just like a boring kind of like work for hire guy. And so it doesn't really have a lot of like personal style, but I think it there's something about the way it just like commits to its ridiculous premise. And I did read that it's like one of the most scientifically inaccurate movies of all time. It just like doesn't make any sense. And it kind of commits to that. And it's also funny how like so many of the crew that goes into the core die in like horrible ways. But it's one of those things where like they die and then there's like a big, oh my God. And then like the next scene, they're forgotten. They're all like cheery again. So like so I kind of like those moments. Um, it's got a sense of ridiculousness, a ridiculousness to it that I can kind of get behind. Uh, and the CGI, you know, it wasn't as terrible. Usually early 2000 CG looks terrible. Now, 
nowadays uh you know it wasn't as bad as i thought there's a really funny like bird attack sequence too at one point which which i liked cgi bird attack sequence which was fun so it's way too long it's like two hours and 15 minutes long but there's tons of special features right because it's a shout release uh, you know, i don't know i didn't actually check out the disc i just like you uh, know, i remember the dvd being this, pretty packed but... because it was released during the period of uh, everything needs tons of special features so I feel like they probably just ported those over, and they did. All the special features from the DVD, commentary by the director, the making of the core to the core and back, deleted scenes, and it's a new 4K scan from the original camera negative. Wow. Because, yeah, this has never been on Blu-ray before, shockingly enough. Because nobody cares. Nobody cares! Unless you were a child and you saw this movie when it came out, so you have nostalgia for well, it. Well, that's the thing. When I was watching this movie, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine, I guess, but, like, who would, yeah, who would care about buying this if... Like, even if you saw this when it came out, I still don't know if you would care about buying this, you know? Like, it's just not that... Unless you're like, I lost my virginity to a screening of the core. That would be the only reason that you... Yeah, exactly. Unless you have a really specific nostalgic memory And then you weep over the opportunities not taken. Yeah, exactly, right? But it's just like, it's too... Maybe at like an hour and a half, this movie would be a lot more fun. But it's like at two hours and 15... They're trying to make it this big, epic Hollywood blockbuster. And it's like, it's not that distinctive enough to really work and the actors are all kind of bad in it so eh, i don't know it's fine but i don't think we've sold a single copy of this and i can't imagine us doing so, so. next up we have bad luck banging or loony porn don't watch it censored on uh i guess disney plus if you're in canada is this on disney plus <laughs> well it probably because it's on Hulu. oh wow okay so that means it would be on disney plus because the way i mean they don't take every title off hulu but you know that we have like stars yeah, or whatever. Yeah. The, why, don't, why don't they just make it Hulu? Why make it confusing? I don't it's understand. All stupid corporate rights. But it was all censored. Uh, that was a big thing that was going around recently. Uh, no, Which is not- crazy because that kind of defeats the purpose <laughs> of this movie. You know? Did you see how it's censored? It, it, okay, so uh, the whole screen is taken up with a like very cheap looking graphic, and it says "censors equals dollars." And I think some like funny music plays um, in the background. Yikes. Okay, that's that's a bizarre, bizarre choice. So, are you you're a fan of this movie? Didn't we talk about it yeah, already? Are you would ask me about if I'd seen this back when it was just coming out? <laughs> this episode, I've said ten times. Have we talked about this already? It's too early in the morning. We talked about this before. Yeah, I know. We talked about this before you saw it because you were asking me if I'd seen I it. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's done. Well, this is this was one of the bigger, more acclaimed uh, foreign titles of last year. Radu Jude, who has become pretty prolific and well-beloved in the last several years. Uh, and this is probably his most widely acclaimed film so far. It, it premiered at last year's Berlin Film Festival. And like since then, it was just like getting raves. Everybody was talking talking about it i didn't actually see this until later last year when i was just kind of catching up on some 2021 movies because i actually haven't seen a ton of his earlier stuff so i'm not as familiar with him as you are <laughs> i'm not familiar with him at all <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's the joke a little more familiar Wait, look, i'm know. sending you through msn the censored stuff that happens on screen oh my god please do yeah it looks exactly the way that i explained it <laughs> oh my god you, that's so you, you brutal. said it even says you can show a killing but not a blowjob that's so weird 
because yeah so this movie is basically you know it's called bad luck banging or loony porn so you know sex and explicit sexuality has a lot to do with it i mean the film basically start so it's about a a school teacher in yeah modern day romania who basically films a sex video with her husband and it basically gets disseminated on the internet without her knowledge and it causes this big scandal where the school because basically her students see it and the parents of the students are furious and they want her fired so it causes this whole firestorm where she has to basically defend her right to continue to be a teacher and it all culminates in this like kangaroo court sort of trial at the school where all the parents come and they decide whether or not they want her to stay there or not um so the fact and yeah basically this movie starts off by just showing the sex video like explicitly basically like just a full-on sort of like five minute porn how scene how dare they show something that any adult watching would would have done in their day-to-day lives so that's the thing but that's the whole point of this movie so the fact that they have this weird censored version thing is like uh that would just not make any sense to as me. it says on the title card uh censorship equals dollars yeah so. But this movie is really funny. I would highly recommend this. It also uh, does a really good job of incorporating the pandemic into it, unlike, you know, without making it obviously the focal point, because for the first third the first act of the movie kind of just shows the central character go about on her day running errands in like a post-covid kind of world which is interesting without ever like explicitly signaling it but you know everybody's wearing masks it just kind of gets the feel of what the pandemic world is like and then it all culminates in like i said this hilarious kind of extended trial scene which culminates in an absolutely ridiculous finale which i won't spoil if you haven't seen it but it goes completely off the rails into the realm of like oh bizarre over the top fantasy which you know you just got to see to believe i yeah this was one of my this is definitely one of my favorite uh films of last year definitely one of my favorite comedies of last year it's definitely a riot um and yeah if you're looking at it and like oh you know boring foreign film from romania it's not that at all it's no it's, man there's dicks all over the place dicks all over the place and it culminate honestly if you're not laughing by the end then like i don't know i don't know what to say to you you're dead you're dead. all right well i'm ready to continue laughing because we have a last movie on our list here and it's Pinocchio, A True Story. And if you've been keeping track, it's this week's Blind Behind. <laughs> yeah, this is, we've been building up to this. This is what we've been building up to this whole episode. This is the creme de la creme. This is a Russian animated film from a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, several years ago. That has been released English dubbed already. Yes, which ca- caused a lot of confusion with us when we were trying to watch but this. But <laughs> a company decided, listen, I think Russian animation, it's their time to shine. Let's put this out there. Well, this is Lionsgate. It's doing right but we here. need to americanize it in some way how can we get the kids through the door well we can cast tom kenny who's one of the voices because it's illegal to make an animated film without tom kenny and then we need two headliners to really bring them in really really big comedy stars that the kids will love napoleon dynamite john heater himself people love him but we need a bigger star to play pinocchio yeah who's gonna be our pinocchio ladies and hey gentlemen? buddy oh my god it's paulie shore it's paulie shore ladies and gentlemen can we get him drunk and reading the lines for the first time seemingly not knowing where he is hey i mean that's his like de facto like way of performing these days you so, know this movie I'm going to say right off the bat, bad, not fun, not good. Well, I, I'm going to disagree with you on the not fun part because I had some fun with this in a in a oh, really, God. really bad way. <laughs> All the fun that is to be had is just hearing Polly Shore's 
disembodied voice come out of Pinocchio. Oh my god, I know. John right? Heater as well. He's going to try to do like a dumb guy voice to do the well, horse. He plays he plays a donkey. He plays Pinocchio's donkey friend. <laughs> and so <laughs> if Tibbled. you see that title and you're like, "Oh, finally, Pinocchio is going to have all the adventures he never did in the sanitized Disney well, it's version. Like, it's a true story. It's going to be the real Italian text. No, not really. Pinocchio just kind of goes to the fair and that, I mean, the circus and that's and it. And he falls in love. It's like he falls in love. With, so he becomes, he goes to the fair. He becomes a member of like a carnival troupe. Forcing the donkey to jump through flaming hoops. And then he falls in love with another member of the troupe. And she's like, I can't fuck you. You're a wooden boy. Yeah, basically. And then he just spends the whole time complaining about not being a real boy and then goes on a quest to try and become a real boy and she secretly loves him but pretends not to because she knows there's these other guys after him the story's really convoluted and it's so boring and nothing interesting happens they're mostly just enforced and that circus tent but you know what i have to say for the pleasure every time that pinocchio opens his mouth and Polly shore's voice comes out i laugh hey buddy what's going on I, oh, we gotta go save the prince. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically Polly Shore being being as Polly Shore as possible, but in a like even more bored way, I guess. Oh, he's like, so bored. I would say John Heater is trying to commit to this. Yeah, John Heater does his best. It you still know? sounds wrong, where he's like, "Come on, Pinocchio, we gotta get out of here." What are we doing? <laughs> you know what? It's weird, too, because, like, obviously I don't expect the voices to match the lip movements either or anything. But it's so off. It's, like, even more off than you would expect. Because the performance <laughs> isn't matching the acting at all. Yeah, like... and I feel like they've changed some of the dialogue, too, to Americanize it. Like, there's, a uh, there's like, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles joke at the beginning. And yeah, like, Russia loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. There's no way this was in the original Russian dialogue. It feels like everyone who did this English dub did not see the movie. No, not And at was all. just reading it off just the text. Yeah, clearly they've just taken, like you said, this movie from a couple years ago and were like, okay, it's Pinocchio. Why is it called Pinocchio A True Story? There's no sense of like, sort of like gritty authenticity to this at have all. Have you ever read like, the original Pinocchio Italian story? So I never have. You know, I've never really been a Pinocchio guy. So, I mean, I don't so know. So the original story, he's like a huge asshole. Okay. And I mean, that makes sense. The... <laughs> In its original ending, Pinocchio gets hung by the neck and oh dies. Oh my god, bleak. Imagine that happened in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't. So instead, what we get is he just goes to the circus. But if they had done that, like there's 36 chapters of Pinocchio. If you're interested in seeing what it really is like, there's a um, really fun comic book artist called Casey Green, whose most famous thing is the This Is Fine dog that's on uh, fire. Okay, yeah, yeah, He yeah. did a complete adaptation of every one of the original Pinocchio chapters to the point that like even the same dialogue appears and it is so dark and so depressing it ends with i'm a real boy what happened to the wooden version of myself and then it just points to like a chair and he's like haha now this is it and the final panel in casey green's comic is just this like broken wooden doll who's still laying there lifeless against the chair and then he's like forgotten wow Imagine they did that kind of vibe with this movie. That would be uh, amazing. Has any of the Italian versions 
adapted Pinocchio like like that? Because there's so many Robert Benigni and stuff like that. <laughs> well, funnily enough, uh, because we watched this movie and, you know, the poor dubbing was such a big part of it. I wanted to see what was the worst dubbing experiment, this or the 2002 Benigni version, which they released in America with a bunch of Hollywood actors, all the Italian actors, including none other than Brecken Meyer dubbing Roberto Benigni's part. Why wouldn't they just get Benigni to dub him? Uh, anyway. You know, that was weird. This was post Life is Beautiful too. Anyways, that was a huge bomb at the time. And I did watch part of that just to see. And that's got almost as atrocious dubbing as this one does too, just to, you know, let you know. But I don't know. Does the more recent version with Benigni that uh, Matteo Garone, well, because that was like nominated for an Oscar, right? Like that was considered Good. Yeah, that was the guy who did Tales of Tales, right? Made yeah, that one. yeah, Matteo Garone. And did. there's also a uh, Benicio del Toro stop motion Pinocchio coming out, which I feel like that will probably be more tied to the original text and the Disney version, probably for copyright reasons as well, because you yeah, can't know, right? imitate any of the stuff in the. There's oh, there's so much Pinocchio content coming out. There's also a Disney Robert Zemeckis version that nobody, nobody wants. Nobody cares. And yeah, again, I'm just not, you know, I had to watch this because, you know, Polly Shore, John Heater, how could we not? But Pinocchio in general, eh, I could take him or leave him. No, uh, I've never been a fan. He was never a favorite character. Even yeah. the Jonathan Taylor Thomas version when I was a kid, you know, I remember being also like, horrifying. Remember being like, eh, eh, it's okay. But yeah, also, also horrifying. So this, don't, I wouldn't recommend, watch the trailer though. Not a blind buy for me. If you're, if you're a fan of watching shoddy animation too it's not I even could, that shoddy though i thought it was like, pretty shoddy at times especially it's not that shoddy like the backgrounds are pretty well uh pretty well detailed because really? there were some moments where i'm like whoo this is like especially at the beginning when he was like right after the credits when he's like riding around on his horse doing like black or backflips on his like on john heater's donkey and like i don't know the animation looked pretty atrocious to me there i don't know i got a soft spot for just watching bad animation so you would recommend it to people who want to laugh at Polly Shore. i guess if you want to laugh i don't know i don't know if i'd recommend buying this disc i paid for it twice movie. i can't believe you paid for this to, so i rented it on google weird. yeah and then so i started I, watching it I'll, I'll get back to it it expired and i had to rent it on youtube yeah if you want the Polly shore version it is available on youtube for rent and stuff like on that on youtube yep i think as amazon prime you can rent it off there and yeah it's on the dvd i will say though for as weird as this casting choice sounds there is a precedent for it because both Pauly Shore and John Heater have done a few English dubs of Russian animated movies in the past several years. So that's where I think this actually comes from. How did this start? And can we get a box set of these movies from Lionsgate? Well, on the front cover of Pinocchio DVD, it says from the director of the Big Trip movies, which are apparently a couple of Russian children's animated movies from a few years back. And Pauly Shore does the voice in does a voice in one of the first big trip movies. And then I was looking up John Heater. He's done a bunch of voices in both Russian and Chinese animated movies over the last couple of years. So I think this is a bit of a bigger business for kind of like fading Hollywood actors than we would think. So, you know, when I first saw this, I'm like, wow, this just seems like a bizarre project altogether. But I think this was just another paycheck for both Pauly Shore and John Heater to 
to do I this. I mean, it's definitely a paycheck, not a passion project. <laughs> oh, yeah. No passion project. But, like, this isn't their first go at doing these weird dub works. So <laughs> Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that for more of them as they come out. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to watch them all so now. So that's it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. Check out Bay Street. Open from, I don't know, 10 to 8. Yeah, Usually, whenever, yeah, ten to eight, uh, whenever you want to come by. Who so knows? until then, my name is Dustin the Glim, and I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying, keep on renting. Holly Shore, John Heater animated films. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. I'll bring them all in. I swear, we'll have the the big trip movie. I don't even know what these movies are it about. Should not- be for human consumption they've all come out too they're all like on dvd and everything it's like that's why they put Polly shore and john here because they're like who would rent these if these guys are in it? <laughs> i know <laughs> i guarantee though we won't sell a single copy of pinocchio true story to the bargain bin yeah. directly don't even put it on the shelf i believe though there's actually another animated movie with both Polly shore and john heater coming out soon that's another one of these so oh, I'll, I'll make sure to bring that in so we can talk about that enthusiastically